and welcome to the AfterSpark Podcast, an episode-by-episode recap of the Generation 1 Transformers cartoon. I'm Els. And I'm Spex. And today, we are going to be talking about episode number 65, Bot. Let's talk about giant robots today, shall we? Yep. We're finally here. We're on the last episode of season two. And may we remind you, season two is the longest season out of the entirety of G1. Yep. Rest in peace, second opening and superior theme song. We will miss you dearly. While the theme overall stays the same, it is still distinctly different once we hit season three and not in a way that we particularly like. Yeah, and the animation of said opening is just... It's not as fun or as cohesive as the animation for the season two opening. So we open this episode with the Combaticons in the middle of a city. Complete with the helicopter and the space shuttle driving on the ground. <laughs> so they all form Bruticus and are immediately taken out by Defensor, complete with literal explosions. Like a com- an arm completely comes off. It's very impressive. Swindle is the only one out of the group who seems relatively unharmed. And Defensor just kind of turns around and walks off, saying something about needing to call sanitation to clean up the streets. Dude, always double tap it. Always! <sighs> G1, the cartoon commercial for, <laughs> for toys. Of course we can't kill these people we just introduced. Swindle pops out of the wreckage and looks like, uh, what the fuck, dude? As he begins gathering up his colleagues' bits and pieces, complete with complaining about finding replacement parts for them. Swindle has dubious military contacts who he approaches for replacement parts. Which he evidently is able to procure for a price. And today at the Decepticon base, you see that Megatron finally understands hydroelectric power. It only took him two seasons. Right? (laughs) His grand scheme is to get rid of the moon to fuck up the tides. Or rather, make it so Sound can control them with another device and set up some kind of hydroelectric plant for near-infinite power. This seems convoluted. Speaking of convoluted, back with Swindle, he seems to have lost the thread a bit. Yep, his contact describes the remaining Combaticon's pieces, aside from their computer systems and weapons, as useless and recommends that Swindle take the rest to the dump. And I am so confused because it really seemed like Swindle was trying to fix them, like, in the earlier scenes, but now he's just selling them, apparently. Swindle's all about that cash. Deadly. <laughs> Skywarp arrives to the Combaticons' base, which they have, and while no one else is around, he finds pieces of the Combaticons strewn around their base. The first time we see this base, and I think it's... The last time we see it. (laughs) Megatron tells Skywarp to follow the trail of parts to figure out what the hell happened. Well, this is a morbid breadcrumb trail. Swindle dumps all of the remaining junk in a junkyard before being caught by Starscream and Skywarp. And by caught, we mean that Starscream, in jet mode, magnetizes Swindle in jeep mode to himself and then flies off. It's certainly, it's an image. It's an image. It's a very fun image. (laughs) Swindle grovels to Megatron, who basically would like his big combiner back now. To this end, Soundwave puts a bomb in Swindle's head as incentive to get the big, big combiner back right now. Starscream looks so happy because he's not the one on the chopping block today. 
Swindle's got a whole 15 hours to reassemble Bruticus, and we get a montage of Swindle breaking in and retrieving all the parts from various military installations across the world. Swindle's world tour of military theft. Upon reassembling everybody, they failed to form Bruticus because he could not find Brawl's brain. Brawl is literally brainless right now, and three guesses where that brain is, or possibly was. First two don't count, guys. Swindle says that he didn't think it would matter. I know Brawl's not bright, but ouch, dude. <sighs> Megatron lets Swindle know that he still needs to retrieve Brawl's brain. Tick-tock, buddy, tick-tock! <laughs> and now in a school! <laughs> Our first time in a school on this show. We think? Because we never actually see, like, Chip, Spike, or Carly in a school, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe we visited a college at one point. I don't There's think so we many did. scientists and professors, but who the hell and knows? Yeah, and I'm like, I don't think we did. So we think this is the only time we're in a school. Yeah. And along with some weird pseudo gem cameos, as we see both Jerrica and Kimber's recolored character models being used as background characters in some of these shots. It's so strange if you watch Gem the Holograms. Yep. And there's a science teacher here today who is excited to show his class lasers. Don't worry, this one's so low-powered, it's not dangerous! Oh, the lasers in this world scare the shit out of me. <laughs> no kidding! He flips the thing on and it shoots through the metal plate it was pointed at, as well as several books, and a window. And he... who knows what was behind that window. Teach definitely killed a man. <laughs> I'm convinced he definitely killed a man. Or possibly damaged the structural integrity of whatever the hell was across the street. Yeah. Maybe it was fine, we don't know. Yeah. Two smarmy jackasses in the front row start laughing, as they evidently got in early to modify the laser. These two are Martin and Roland, who are troublemakers who think they're too smart for this class. The teacher keeps them after and tells them that they'll fail his class unless they get first place at the science fair. And I really feel like that should not be a thing he can, like, make them need to do, but it's the 80s, so I have no fucking idea. I mean, at this point, I guess he just doesn't want them in his goddamn class. I wouldn't blame him. You think he would, like, pass them to get them out, though? <laughs> or bring that, bring it up as dangerous with the school or, or something? something? Yeah, like, getting them expelled makes way more sense than failing them. Yeah, getting them to, I don't know, some sort of vocational place, maybe. Who knows? He also assigns them a third member for their science fair team, a girl named Elise Presser. Compared to the boys, she is a total goody-two-shoes. She's the one that would help an elderly person cross the street. The other two would probably knock them down and steal their wallet, and also steal candy from babies. The three of them spy the Protectobots saving some guys in a burning skyscraper. How do teenagers not know about Transformers in this world? I mean, they're they're on the news, like, all the time. <laughs> and, like, I don't care if it's a more common, uh, common occurrence. Like, it's the 80s and you cannot convince me that, like, children and teenagers would not be all over the fact that these are giant fucking robots. Yeah. This gives the group the idea to build their own robot. They proceed to raid the same dump as before and find... Many interesting parts for their experiment, including, as you might expect, something of brawls. Yep. Yep. They decide to call their project Bot, or 
Biotronic Operational Telecommunicator. I, I don't know where the bio is coming in here, but okay. And after some trial and error, mostly error, Elise excitedly says she's getting weird readings from Brawl's personality component and hooks it up to their new robot. Bot powers up. And Bot is royally pissed. He begins to throw things around, trashing the lab they're in in the process. Elise tries to appeal to Bot's better nature to, <laughs> to try and make him stop smashing things. And then Martin runs out of the room saying, I've got an Einstein. Sonny, you mean you've got an idea? Was this a thing in the 80s? I mean, maybe people... Uh, who the fuck knows? I'm just like... I don't know all the slang. Was this a weird slang thing? It doesn't seem like it should have been. I feel like I tried to look it up and that it didn't, nothing came up for it. I feel like we looked it up. Or maybe I tried to think of it. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't feel like a real thing. So, What's-His-Face comes back in with the laser from earlier. The one that the teacher had that they modified and shoots at Bot. Bot has had enough of this and smashes through a wall, to which I can only say... Oh, yeah. Ah, he Kool-Aid mans it. <laughs> Realizing that they cannot stop their creation, they decide to contact the Protectobots. They manage to contact the Ark, and Optimus sends out Ironhide, Bumblebee, and Gears to check out why the hell they're getting a call from a school. Yep. Back at the junkyard, Swindle is threatening the poor human junk man for Brawl's personality component. The man says that the kids might have taken it and Swindle leaves in pursuit of children, I guess. <sighs> no one's day is going the way they expected it to. The three Autobots arrive to the high schooler's surprise and they all enter the school to track down Bot. Bot is currently wrecking the lunchroom. Brawl woke up. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't like this stupid body he's been shoved into, and he is angry. And he doesn't have a voice, so he has to communicate this all... <laughs> through violence. Through body language. Violence. Yes. Gears calls him a hunk of junk, and Brawl evidently takes offense at this, throwing an entire tub of creamed corn at them. Want to know how we know it's creamed corn? Because it's like four complete ears of corn floating in some soup. Yes, I know the TF Wifty says it's corn on the cob, but my idea is funnier. It's a pun. Yes, yes, they're all getting creamed by the corn. Gears shoots at him, but he deflects with some kind of metal tray, knocking Gears over. Ironhide then shoots Molten Lead at Bot, but he jumps out of the way, causing it all to run back towards Ironhide and causing the floor underneath Ironhide to collapse. This entire thing should have condemned the school. I mean, <laughs> you don't molten liquid lead? That is a safety hazard. Oh god, that is a safety hazard for Spike, considering he's probably been near Ironhide a lot. <laughs> Bot escapes through a door and barricades it, meaning the Autobots can't follow. Yes, we know this makes no sense. Gears even comments on it being a wooden door. The Autobots defeated by a wooden fucking door! The fact that the Autobots could just Kool-Aid man their way through the thing, but I guess they don't want to damage the stupid building's structural integrity any more than it already is. I, I mean, Ironhide already, like, melted a floor. I mean, I don't know how you make that worse. <laughs> yeah. The teens lead the Autobots outside, and they continue to pursue Bot into an abandoned building opposite the school. No, 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 no. Obviously, this is the building the laser hit earlier. <laughs> oh, God, the laser! The laser did all that damage. It's so burnt out. Why is it 30 stories tall? It was it was a thriving office building immediately before before the school set these 
two horrendous children in that science class. <laughs> so Ironhide tells the three teens to stay behind. And inside, not only does this derelict building still have power in a working elevator, as we said, it's like really, really tall. It looks like it should be like three, four stops. <laughs> yep. Bumblebee exclaims that Bot is already 30 floors up when they reach the elevator. I mean, why would they leave a 30-story building that's like that? That's How is that not hazardous? I don't know. Transformers World is probably one of the least worrisome things. That's true. Ironhide then shoves some kind of wooden rod that he found into the elevator door, indicating that this will somehow jam the elevator. I don't understand how that works, but okay. Alright, I can... We'll just take that logic and run with it, I guess. Outside, the teens are tired of waiting. <laughs> For like five minutes. They've been out there like five minutes. Elise attempts to stop the two boys, but they just grab her and drag her in. Huh. The boys pull out the wooden rod and hop into the elevator. The power is cut to the elevator, stranding these worrisome children. One of the boys opens the hatch at the top of the elevator and sees Bot tearing the elevator cables above them apart. Horrifying, really. Upstairs, the Autobots run into Swindle, who, after shooting at them, ends up back on the ground floor and makes an escape. Swindle has clearly grabbed Brawl's brain from Bot as we see Brawl being fixed in the next scene. And yeah, I think the kids like got out of the elevator and met up with the Autobots and they chased him down to the bottom floor or some shit. It's not very clear. I'm not really sure why this scene happened. <laughs> I think they were just switching scenes a lot. The yeah. entire thing was just weird and I think they were trying to fill out runtime. The Combaticons are able to form Bruticus again, saving Swindle's sorry-ass hide from explosions of the cranium kind. Back with the teenagers, they have apparently gotten Bot's body back, but Elise notices that the weird component they put in there is gone. The three correctly deduced the weird box is why Bot went on a rampage and clearly was something that belonged to the Combaticons. They use some readouts from the box to try and track down the Combaticons against Elise's better judgment. And yet she still drives them during all of this. <sighs> Using even more dubious science than we aren't normally see on this show, Elise pulls out part of Bot and is able to listen in on the Decepticon base, catching Megatron talking about blasting the moon out of orbit and using the Ark as practice for this new device. The teens somehow end up at the Ark explaining this situation to Optimus. Optimus then proclaims that only Defensor can stand up to Bruticus. Optimus, you have a whole ass nether combiner. What? Are the planes on holiday? All of them? You've got to keep the symbolic rivals with the symbolic rivals, and also it's marketing. Apparently. So they contact the Protectobots, and we get to see their base, topped by an enormous soda billboard complete with lights. But are they sponsored by fucking Coca-Cola? It's how they pay the rent. They live in a big-ass city. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I've seen the housing prices out here. Yep. In their base, Streetwise gets the transmission. Why does he have lips that Overlord would envy? He and Silverbolt just... They got the fancy lips. <laughs> and the animators honestly just really phoned in his face on this episode. So the five of them roll out with the front of their building flipping up and allowing them all to drive out. That seems like a lot of engineering. Eh, they're trying robots, I mean, that would be less problematic for them to do, I guess, than, like, a human? I guess. I just don't want to be- I wouldn't want to be there if there was an earthquake. 
I'm hoping nobody lives above them. I'm hoping it's just all base. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just imagine how destabilized that could get. In oh, earthquake. yeah. The Decepticons have arrived at the Ark and set up Megatron's new toy. Megatron orders the Combaticons to form Bruticus and the Autobots open fire. Starscream yells at Megatron that your stupid warrior is just standing there. Starscream, that's your stupid warrior. For once, this is definitely not Megatron's fault. Fighting ensues, complete with glorious silliness. Some notable moments include... Ironhide gunning for Swindle, only to take a laser blast to the face. Optimus taking a hell of a hit from Onslaught and ending up face first on the ground after somersaulting backwards from the sheer force of the shot. <laughs> Straightwise telling Starscream his pilot's license is expired before shooting him and sending Starscream screaming into the distance. <sighs> Hotspot shooting and knocking Soundwave and Brawl completely off screen. Megatron landing on his ass and Brawl landing on top of him. And all of the Decepticons being blasted into the horizon one by one with Megatron's new gun. The teens had sent a bot out to take control of Megatron's new gun before causing it to self-destruct in an effort to help the Autobots. Our episode ends with the Autobots thanking the teens for their help and some very bad puns. But most concernedly, the boy's taping Elise's mouth shut and running off screen with her when she mentions building a new robot. Um, mm -hmm. That's a big yikes for me. And me as well. And with that, that's the end of season two. <laughs> but we're not doing the movie just quite yet. Rather, an OVA that was released to introduce a new line of toys for Japanese audiences. So get ready for some recaps, guys. Or, and I apologize in advance for this, Tatakai, Choa Robot, Seimei Tai, Transformer, Scramble City, Hatsudo Hen, or Fight Super Robot Lifeform Transformers, Scramble City Mobilization. Now, ain't that a mouthful? Uh-huh. And I have some fanfic recs for today. Both of these are wildcard fics, and our theme really is just a both of these involve snow. It has been cold and snowy because we're recording this for week, first week of December. So that's what I did. Um, the first one is Then So Be It by Eve DeWalrus. The continuity is IDW. It is rated G. It is Slash. Our pairings are Minimus, Ambus, and Megatron, and they are our characters. In summary, there's an avalanche. Megatron and Minimus find themselves trapped in the snow. It was written for day three of Minimeg's week, Battle Adventure. It is a one-shot. And then our other one is called Scheduling Error by Interstellar underscore Child. It is also IDW. It is rated T. It is Slash. Our pairings are Minimegs, uh, Dratchet, Rodimus and Thunderclash, Starjack, Past Domin Dominus Ambus Rewind, and Chromedome Rewind. Our characters are Megatron, Minimus Ambus, Verity, and a whole bunch of other characters in, char in cameo roles. In summary, it's the middle of winter and life is miserable. It's cold, the snow ha hasn't canceled class, and Megatron and his husband have such busy schedules, it seems like the only time they have to spend with, with each other is three in the morning. For now, the only thing Megatron can do is wait until the next time they get a few minutes alone, even though he doesn't want to wait for very much longer, because he loves his husband. Aww. It's an ongoing one that hasn't been updated in a while, but it's a human former's fic, and it was very sweet um, when I read it a while back. So, yeah, here are some cozy fics for your cold winter, <laughs> your cold winter evening or morning or whatever, whenever you're listening to this. And then our fan artist recommendation for today is Phantom417. They do a variety, and they are 
place I could find them was DeviantArt. <laughs> so um, I have links a piece of the G1 trine of the good, the bad, and the weird, <laughs> as well as uh, a couple of shattered glass stuff with like the cutest shattered glass ravage ever. Look at this cute little face. And then a rather noble-looking Shatterglass Starscream because he actually is kind of noble, so that works. I, I like the the good, the bad, and the weird because Thundercracker has got a he's got a remote and a cowboy hat. <laughs> I do love the idea of like good cowboys keep track of the remotes. <laughs> And that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check us out on Tumblr or Pillowport as AfterSpark-Podcast for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, and various other locations by searching for AfterSpark Podcast, such as AO3, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, just to name a few. And feel free to send us questions on Tumblr, YouTube, or AO3. Till next time, I'm Spex. And I'm Alice. Toodles. Our compatriot didn't just sell us off. He literally threw my brain away because it was that worthless to him.